Good morning. You may be seated. Yes, Brother Adrian, if you come back up. Adrian's going to speak to you just a little bit about, we're talking about missions, things that we can do around the world that God calls us to do. And uh, y'all know at Town Creek, we're a Southern Baptist Church, Great Commission Baptist Church. We're just a Christian church. But we look for opportunities for ministries to come to us. And when God speaks and says, this is what you should be doing, put your hand on that and go and do it. Usually he sends us the problem, or he sends us the person to solve the problem, and then he sends the finances to go with the problem, and everything kind of, how God makes biscuits, he actually makes it work out in the end, right? Uh, he brings all the issues together, and sometimes he brings the resource, and we're like, okay, what is this for? What is this resource money for? We set it aside. What is this vehicle for? Someone donates a vehicle, someone donates, you name it, whatever it is. This happens, and then God brings the need. And uh, something Adrian's been praying about working on. I, I think he's got some folks. I know his lovely wife's working with him. But I want him to bring it to the church's attention. It's not all there yet, but it's, it's been in process. So I uh, wanted to bring, this is an opportunity God's bring to us as uh, Adrian works for Town Creek. And, of course, he works independently. If you see some things as Thursday night Bible study, I get to see it occasionally. Um, but ministering out in the community, uh, we're all ministers of the gospel. And something we, he has opportunity to, to invest in. I want you to start thinking about how are you going to play a part in it? What's your part? What's your place? And see if God's going to use you to pray, pay, go or give, right? There's always something. He's got to give up something. Time, talent, resources to make uh, the word of God, a word of God go forth. Brother Legend. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, we're embarking on uh, feeding the homeless coming up in November. Where, uh, we did it a couple of years ago, and the Lord led us on our heart to do it again, but we're going across the water this time over in Georgia. And um, so... Um, and we're putting it together. We haven't got everything kind of tied in yet. We had a meeting on the other day. But um, if you want to be a part of it, hey, you know, um, call me, 803-226-4369. You always got to look at your wife for it. 803-226-4369. Give me a call. Um, but we want to make an impact because God has put us here to, to be witnesses. And in order to actually witness to someone that's hungry, you first must feed them. And when you feed them, get the belly full, then you feed them the word of God. So it's, it's our job to go out in the city, the hedges and the highways, to reach those people that sometimes people have forgotten about. It's one thing that Pastor Clint said a, a, a weeks ago about how churches are different now. You know, that they're, they're closing down because of COVID. They don't want to um, come out because of COVID. But, but I realize they're not coming here, we're going to go to them. Amen. So I solicit your help. Um, I told him we're going to take the Town Creek to the world. That's our purpose, is to take Town Creek to the world. Amen. And that's what we're going to do. Amen. So I solicit your help. Uh, contact me. Let me know. Um, the meet, next meeting is no, November 7th. Next meeting will be November the 7th at 6 o'clock. Amen. We'll be right upstairs here. November 7th at 6 o'clock. Amen. God bless you. More information about that in the bulletin, and we'll be live from here. Thank you, brother. And we'll be sharing that. So every time we go to do a mission, no matter, I've been here for almost 12 years, every time we do something somewhere, somebody always says, well, we should be doing that right here. Right? He's talking about feeding the homeless across the street, uh, across the river. Should we be feeding the homeless in Aiken? Then do it. Amen? Every time someone complains about where we're going, I say, then whatever your complaint is, then you do it. Amen? Bring it to the church. You've got an issue, you've got to feed, you want to feed a group of people, you want to minister to somebody, bring it to the church. We are God's people. We are the mission field. So don't condemn somebody else going somewhere else. So don't, even after church, please don't let me hear you say, 
I can't believe we're going over to across the river when we only do it here in Aiken, in our backyard. That's the, when we went to Nicaragua, people said, there's people hungry here, Pastor. We went to Honduras, people, Pastor, there's people here that need the gospel. Then share the gospel. Wherever God calls us, that's where we go. And in the whole time, when he calls you somewhere, you stay and do it here. So the gospel is, yes, at my house beyond, but it also is beyond, right? Where's beyond? Where God assigns you. All right, so that's one of our assignments coming up. And so don't complain about an opportunity to serve Christ. Rejoice that we get to serve him in some capacity, feeding food and then giving the gospel. I'm excited about it because some, sometimes you just wonder, Lord, what's next? Because we, we have missionaries in every country just about. You name a place on the planet, we could go. Name a place in the United States, we could go because we got somebody who knows somebody that's connected there. We could get there. Amen? That's who we are is how we're connected as Baptists. We, we can go anywhere in the world. We know, we know somebody somewhere. But that, we don't just go and say, I'd like to go here because where would we be going if we had a choice? We'd be wanting to minister to the people in Hawaii and St. Thomas, Puerto Rico, right? That Grand Canyon area. We want to go all the resort areas. That's where we'd want to go in, uh, selfishly because I've been on mission time uh, trips before where people just use the trip for vacation. I'm like, you know, get off your blessed assurance and get something done, right? Yeah, we come here to, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to give ourselves for Christ. We were going to tell you a story. We went to China. I hate going to Asia. I don't hate Asians. I just hate going to Asia. That sitting still for hour upon hour upon hour upon hour. We're in China. And we're on top of this mountain, and we're at uh, 13,000, I think it was, plus altitude. I can't breathe. I'm overweight. My lungs, I can't catch a breath. There's, you just can't breathe. You just, there's not with that one big, oh, thank you, Jesus, for that breath. It's like, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. It never stops hurting. It just feels like needles are in your chest. The altitude's so high. And then we're in the mountains, and the ladies there are small frame ladies, and they give me one of their baskets to put on my back. Well, I'm stretched out like this, trying to put their basket on. I'm walking like this. And then I had to walk under the bridge, and they tell me, let me fill your basket. They tell the missionary weights. And I, so they fill my basket, and I feel bricks fall in, bricks, bricks. I'm like, okay. It's about, and I'm still trying to breathe. Now I'm stretched out like this, trying to breathe. And uh, then I had to hike 1,400 feet up a mountain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can imagine my, my heart was like, do you think? And I'm going up, and I'm going, oh, dear God. If I get out of this, I ain't never sent foot in Asia again. And where does God call my daughter? To Asia. That's where my kids was in Thailand. We got to the mountains. I can't breathe. I'm up to mud. Had to roll my pants up. I'm up to mud. It's cold. Yet the sun's shining and you're getting sunburned at the same time. And so the missionary, we'd already laid a foundation that was there. We'd already laid a concrete foundation in the creek because all the water runs down the creek. And, of course, they have water buffalo, horses, and everybody uses the path beside the creek. And all that material that gets discarded comes down to the bottom of the, of the village. And everybody at the village, guess what they have? Dysentery. They can't. They're just sick. And so we went on there as a humanitarian cause. And we're building a, a, a biofilter and a bio, a, a, actually a, a water, fresh water system at the top where no one's at at the top of the creek. And we had to run pipe all the way down the creek. No one would let us have land on their side or the other side. It was a hill on this side, a valley on this side. We had to dig through the middle of a creek to lay pipe. You ever done that before? It's impossible, impossible. So we get to the top. We got the foundation laid. The next day we're coming out to lay brick. I'm not a mason. The missionary was not a mason. He's more than I was. And we're laying brick. It's sloppy. It looks terrible. And a Tibetan priest comes out of the mountains 
and says, uh, and we knew we were warned, if they come out, we're in trouble. <clears throat> and he comes out and he says, he orders, he speaks their language and says, tells the missionary, I know what you're here for, do not speak his name. Some of you heard this story before. Don't speak his name anywhere in these mountains, in these regions. This is his control. He had control. And it's not mountains like Blue Ridge. These are like ice picks upside down. You ever seen uh, the ice, when icicles that come outside your house, flip them. That's what the mountains look like. And that crazy dangerous roads that you ever seen the movie, whatever, uh, the show, you can look down a thousand feet, two thousand feet. That's how these roads were. One truck roads. Incredibly crazy. And so we're on the mountain and uh, he says, don't you speak his name. I know why you're here. Don't speak his name anywhere in this region. And so I said, the missionary was now, Casey, he's back in the state, so I didn't tell you what his name is. Casey, what did he say? He said, hey, Bo, he told us don't say his name. I said, whose name? Jesus? And, <laughs> and he said, yeah, that name. Don't, he, said, he said, we can't share his name because he knows why we're here. I said, well, you tell him now. I'm, I can't breathe, y'all. I, I feel like I'm dying already, so I'm, I'm about to see Jesus. And I'm closer to him in those mountains than I was altitude-wise than I've ever been. And I said, you tell him I traveled halfway around the world to give his people fresh water and to tell them about the living water whose name is Jesus. Now, I feel like I'm dying now. So if he wants to kill me, he should have already been smart enough to help his people, the people that are sick at the bottom of the hill. They've been here for thousands of years. How come they haven't fixed this yet? Right? We're here to help you, give you fresh water, but to give you the living water. I came here to die for Jesus. He goes, he's probably going to kill us. I said, didn't you come here when you, when you accepted the call to be a missionary? Didn't you come here to live for Jesus? Yes or no? He said, I did. I said, well, didn't you come here to die for Jesus? Yes or no? Have you given your life to die for the cross of Jesus Christ? Yes or no? He said, I have. I said, then tell him. He said, we're going to die. We both are going to lose our heads today. So he's on his knees. He's muddy. I'm on his knees. I'm up in the creek. I'm muddy. And I can't breathe. And he starts speaking some language I don't understand. And I'm like, oh, Holy Spirit, whatever's being said right now, <laughs> would you make that man, would you come to the place and change his heart? And I was begging Christ, change his life. Because I'm ready to die. I can't breathe. I'm muddy. I'm sunburned. It's the worst case scenario. Lord, save him or let him kill us. So the man goes, like this. He just puffs. It was almost like a cartoon character. And I'm like, what did he say? He said, we're terrible masons. <laughs> I said, well, you tell him. Now, I'm, I'm doing a You tell him if he can do any better to get in this hole and do it himself because we're doing this for his people. I don't live here. I travel around the world to do this. And I'm not a mason, but if he wants to do it, do something special for his people. So he tells him, he said, man, you're going to get us killed for sure. But he says somebody to the end of the man goes, Phew. he takes his huge, beautiful robe off, hangs it in the tree, rolls his little girl pajamas head on, all the way up to his, right here, his little soft, soft pajamas. My wife and daughter have something like this, those little silky looking things, whatever, those long pajamas all the way down to here, capris or whatever, rolls his sleeves up, he gets in the hole, he knocks all of our bricks down with wet cement. And he starts one at a time laying brick. And he was a, they were very good masons. Their houses were nice. I said, Casey, now tell me about Jesus. I'm praying. Why he's, I said, we got an hour at least. He, it's going to take him an hour to build this. Preach Jesus. I said, I want you to start in Genesis and you finish at the cross. All right? you, you preach Jesus to him. He said, okay, we are going, definitely going to die today. Casey started preaching Jesus to the man. He went back to, the, in the beginning, the creation, which was all around us. The trees, the water, the mountain. He preached Jesus to this man. 
because that's what he went there for. And he preached Jesus, the man finishes. We, we got a nice, beautiful wall, I mean, square. We got the brass fittings put in. We put a biofilter in the back. We had water running at the bottom of the hill. At the end of the day when we finished, it was ready to go, still drying, but water seeping in. And then we were filling it when the water dried. That afternoon, we all wash up and get up, and the people that were a host, didn't speak English, said, you've been summoned to his house. Case is like, this is judgment day. He said, these people don't even get to talk to this man because he didn't talk to them. They can't even bury their dead until he comes by and blesses them. They have to pay a bribe, and he blesses them to, to bury the dead. So they'll have swollen dead bodies in their house until he says they can bury them. That's how much power this man had. And we come up to him, and he comes to him, and if Alex was here, if they were here today, he comes by and starts giving each of us a, 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 a name. I guess Mandarin might have been in what the language they spoke. He gave all of us a name, and Alex was my oldest son. He has red hair. He don't, I don't know if he looks a lot like me or does or not. Alex is building green, greenhouses on the other mountain, and he says, you are the son of the blessed one. Okay, like, he just gave Alex a huge title as far as their religion is concerned. He gave him a top title, like a, almost one, one of the monks would have. <clears throat> and he got to me, and he goes, you. <laughs> he says, you are, and he says something. Uh, and, and Casey said, he just called you the blessed one. He said, he made you equal with him. He fed us. We went on our way. I didn't think much about it other than it was a crazy encounter. I couldn't breathe. We, we get back late that night, cold freezing. We have our, no heat in the rooms. It's 30-something degrees. We, the only way you could heat a room, our room didn't have heat and the electric blanket didn't work. So I said, Alex, there's these steamers. We kept putting water in the steamer, which the city smells like sewage. And every time we'd steam, it seemed like we was melting hot sewage in the room, freezing cold. We just steamed our whole room up with steam, got under the covers and hoped that would hold for a little bit. I said, Alex, Come over and get in bed with me. He goes, Dad, I ain't getting in bed with you. <clears throat> I said, if you want to stay warm, you come get next to this big old body. We'll keep heat. We had other gospel opportunities. We went back. We came back home. Have it in my study back there. Two weeks later, Casey sends me a picture. He says, hey, Bo, check this out. He calls everybody Bo. Hey, Bo, check this out. And when I opened up the picture, it was a picture of that Tibetan priest being baptized by a local pastor in a body of water. He'd accepted Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing? Because we went there to live for Christ, but we also went there to die for Christ. That's a daily living that we do. Now, I brought some team jackets. Y'all know what this is? What team was this? Anybody know? Who was this? Who did not know we ever had a football team in our academy? Raise your hand. Who didn't know we had a football team? All right. We, we had a football team our second year. We don't have enough boys yet to have a football, have a football team. All right. We had a football team. And they did. Pretty doggone well. All right, what jersey is this? <coughs> Girls, you're not supposed to give it away. All right, did y'all know we had a volleyball team at the school? They did pretty well as well this year, sometimes. All right, what about this? Not track. Softball. Right when we started softball, COVID-19 hit, we had to stop. Softball. So they had an undefeated season in softball. <laughs> you might know this one. <clears throat> yeah, basketball, if you flip it inside out, guess what you got? Basketball. Anybody know we had a basketball team? We did. We got killed in basketball team. But we did win some of the boys last year and girls, right? Girls, did we win any of the girls? All right. Why do I show you these different team jerseys? 
There's something unique about each one of them, not just colors. But what is on the front of every shirt? The name of our church or our school, Town Creek. All of us are diverse in so many different ways. Is that true? Our backgrounds, where we're from, where we are today, our vocations, wherever we might be. We all have a different jersey we might wear, per se. But we all have one name, and what is the banner under which we work or play? His name is Jesus Christ. We're all Team Jesus. And I want to encourage you today as we read the Word of God, I don't even have to preach today's sermon. You say, well, I wish you wouldn't, but I'm going to, all right? I don't have to, because if I ask you questions, watch this. Let's just do this. And if you're in my Bible class this morning, you can't answer the question, okay? If you're in Sunday school with me, you can't answer. What do we know about Paul? Every time we read about Paul, what does he do every time he goes to a new town? Because he's going because he's on mission. Every time he goes to a town, what does he look for? A synagogue, a place of meeting specifically for the Jews. And usually there's Jews there, there's unbelievers there. And what does he always preach? The gospel of Jesus Christ. But he don't have the New Testament scripture, so what does he preach? How does he use? What does he use? The Old Testament scrolls. Anybody know any of the Old Testaments that talk about Jesus? Isaiah 53, I gave you some in your notes today. You'll see he actually showed Jesus from the Old Testament. He was the promised seed in the garden when God handed down the reprimands or the judgments or the curses. He said to the serpent, you shall bruise his heel, but he shall or her seed shall bruise your head. Meaning, you're gonna, he's actually going to win. And by the way, could God just wipe out the devils today? Is he that powerful? Yes, he's God. So why does he let him stay? That's not the sermon for today. Come back tonight and we might answer that question for you in Pulse, all right? Because he's God. He wants to demonstrate his love. <clears throat> Watch what happens. The jersey of the team that we're on today, I want you to realize you've got a, a, a job or a game to play. You have a responsibility. Paul, every time Paul went somewhere, he was on mission for Christ. Every time he went, he went first to the Jews, because he tells us in Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? It is the power of God, first for the Jew, and then for the Gentile. That's exactly right. So he'd always go, on what day of the week was it that he'd always travel? That he would actually arrive at his place. What day of the week was it? It, it was Saturday. It was, it was the Sabbath. It was always a Saturday that he would go in and he would preach Jesus and he would reason. Now, what happened then? Every time he went and preached somewhere, what happened? Happened every single time he went in. Did some people accept Christ? Did some people not accept Christ? Did someone not accept Christ and want to fight him because he preached Jesus as the Messiah? Every single place he went. He's been stoned to death. He's been to Lystra. He's, he's been all around, right? And now he's on a missionary journey. He's going back, and he's at this place. He comes to Thyatira. We're going to see this today. This is a big city. Think of uh, Las Vegas or Nevada. This is where he's rolling in. Now he's in Europe. He's left Asia. He's come through from Israel. He's come up to Turkey, and now he's in Greece, which is Europe. The first European convert that we have record of is who? Do you know who it was? I preached about her. Lydia. Lydia was the first European con uh, convert that we know of. Israel's actually in the continent of Asia. Turkey splits. If you go to Istanbul, Turkey today, you put one foot in Asia and one foot in Europe. If you've ever been there, it's kind of cool. It's just there's a line of demarcation, if you will. The continent splits there. So now he's over in Europe. He's in the place of, uh, he's in Greece. And now he's come to the place. And what do we know about Paul before we even open our Bibles to Acts chapter 17? Please take God's word and turn there. Acts chapter 17. What do we know he's going to do when he gets to the city of Thyatira? 
First thing he's going to do, he's going to do what? Stop by the visitor center and ask him where the local synagogue is. On this coming Saturday, we know Paul's going to do what? He's going to roll into the synagogue, and what's he going to do? He's going to see an opportunity to preach about Jesus. Because remember, every time a synagogue would allow a teacher to come by, a rabbi to come in, he had the credentials of a teacher. He was a Pharisee, so he had all the credentials when he came into town. And they would say, hey, do you have a word for us today? And guess what? The answer was always, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. And so they would let him speak. And he would always show them from the Old Testament scriptures, he would show them that Jesus is the Messiah. Is that true? Well, this is a new city. Does he have a new message for the new city? No, he has the same old message. Let's see together. Let's look and see what the Word of God says. And these are two small towns that he pops through. He goes to two small towns on his destination. uh, Acts chapter 17, when you're there, we're going to begin in verse 1. Say amen. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis, and listen, these towns, in Sunday school we joked said eight towns, right? Apollonia, you ever heard of that one? It's right next to Bologna. Just kidding. They came to Thessalonica, or today you would say Thessaloniki. It's actually still a place today. It's a Greek place. But in our Bibles, Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Lo and behold, it seems like it's a rerun from last week. Verse 2. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths, three Saturdays, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying, This Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ, or he is the Messiah. Jesus, the Messiah. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. But, verse 5, but the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathering a mob, they set out the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. What were their plans, church? There were plans to beat them or kill them. The same plans that he had in Lystra and the, uh, Derby. But when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren, some Christian brethren, to the rulers of the city, crying out, These men, these who have turned the world upside down, have come here too. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying, There is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Let's pray together. Father God, today as we read your word, we understand very much that you're in charge of all things. Father, help us to understand as we go about our life here in Aiken and beyond that we have a responsibility to, Lord, see where you're at work and to join you. Help us to be people of the word and help us to be people who trust you. Father, we're weak. We'll fail you every chance we get. Father, don't give us many chances, we pray in Jesus' name. For his sake, amen. If you would look at your notes, today's message is simply titled this, The Gospel Message is the Issue. Every time that you talk about Jesus Christ, you're creating an issue. Did you know that? You're creating an amen or an oh me situation. Every single time you talk about Jesus. My question is, why don't we talk about Jesus more than we do? Is it that we're living in fear? We live in the freest country that's in the world today. Is that true? We can proclaim Jesus on the sidewalks. We can proclaim him on bridges or anywhere else we can stand in pulpits, downtowns, uptowns, wherever you go, you can proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that true? 
you'll face persecution of some sort. You'll face some, if you don't get a permit, you might get arrested and put in jail, and you'll bond out and be back out right, right away. But we come to the place and ask the question, how come if we believe the message, the gospel, message is the issue, how come we're not preaching the gospel to a lost and watching world? Church, we must be about sharing Jesus and not have fear in doing it. We must talk about the, what it means to live with Jesus in the here, but also we have to talk about the hereafter. Is that true? We have to talk about the world to come. Look at your notes. Look what the Bible says about itself. Look at your notes if you would. I put Hebrews chapter 4 in there for you, verse 12. This is from the CSB. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Have you noticed that the word of God changes from it is the one uh, tool, if you will, in God's armament. It's a double-edged sword. And when he sticks you with it, he says, now you're accountable to me. Look how it transitions. Watch it again. Look at the words. For the word of God is living. We're talking about the Bible, the Holy Scripture. Is that true? Watch. Touch your Bible whenever you look. Point, take, just take your finger and point to your Bible as I read this. For the word of God is living, and it's effective and sharper than any double-edged sword. Penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Now I want you to take your finger and come off the Bible, point to yourself. That's you, right? It's getting to the core of who you are. So it goes from the Word to you. Got it? That's how it goes. Now watch this. Then it transitions again. It is, the Bible is, able, the Scriptures are able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God knows what you're thinking, right? And when you hear the Word of God... Thou shalt not steal, and you've stole, stolen before? Guess what he thinks? Guess what you think? Man, I shouldn't have done that. I need to ask for forgiveness. When thou shalt not, thou shalt, all those things come to mind. But watch what it says. It judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's back to you. No creature is hidden from, where does it go? Not from the Bible. Can you hide from your Bible? Yeah, you can leave it in the living room, right, and go to the bedroom. You, you, you can put it in your car and go inside the house. You can get away from the Word of God. You can get away from the Bible written. But guess what you do when you read the Word of God? No creature is hidden from, the Bible says, point like this, Him. So when you go from the Scriptures to yourself, you have to report to Him. Do you see how it works? But all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of whom? Him. So the Word of God exposes you to God. It is God speaking. That's why it's called God's Word. To the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. You will stand before God, saved sinner or lost sinner. You will stand before a holy God and give an account for your life. Now you can either let Jesus pay the price for your sins or you can pay them forever. How long will it take to pay off God, a holy God, for your sinful ways? 50 years, 100 years, I can, well, Lord, if I do, if I burn in hell for 150 years, that should be good enough because I really wasn't that bad of a person. How long will it take a sinner to reach holiness if you pay for it yourself? Can a sinner ever get to the place of being holy? It's impossible, so therefore, how long will a sinner be separated from God in a place called hell? Forever. The hells of fire, listen, the fires of hell are holy fire. It's not some degraded, nasty place. 
Who, who fanned the flames of the fire of hell? Who created hell? It was God. He created it for judgment. His holy judgment. When he says sin is sin, listen, he says anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. And everybody else who thinks you can make it my way, well, guess what you're going to get a chance to do? That very thing. And you're going to forever and ever, you'll remember when the preacher preached. You'll remember when your mama or your grandma asked you, when your daddy said something to you. You'll remember every time that someone shared the gospel with you, and you'll be crying out, wailing. The Bible says, wailing and gnashing of teeth. Oh, me, why did I accept Jesus Christ? You'll be there with a rich man that says, listen, somebody just come and put a drop of water on my tongue and cool my thirst. It's a horrible place to be. But forever and ever you will constantly be paying for the sins that you have in your life, trying to please a holy God, and the flames of hell will never be satisfied. You will forever pay your price. But Jesus. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, that eternal payment. You will always be paying back God for your sins. But Jesus. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6.23 says this. There is a way of escape. If the building was on fire today and a fireman standing by there saying, come out this way. And you look, but the exit sign's lit over there and it's lit over there. I'm going to go that way. You are what's considered a dummy. Amen? If you go into the fire because you want to do it your way, listen, you're going to pay the price when you got the person who's trying to save your life saying, come this way. Why would they say come this way? Now, I'm not a fireman, but we, did, we had to put our ship out almost every day at sea when I was uh, sailing. Six months, there was a fire that broke out because we had a raggedy ship. It was always falling apart, catching on fire every single day. All of us were firemen. Had to dress out in gear, and you'd always... Take, come to the, wherever the scene of the fire was, or a presumed fire, wherever the alarm was, and you would assess the scene. You would actually see what's going on. You never just started applying water or foam or whatever it was. Because what happens if you put water on an electrical fire that's actually right underneath you and the wires are running under your feet? I wouldn't be here to tell you the story. Is that true? So anytime a fireman or a policeman or anybody else in first responders, they always come to the scene and they they, they assess the scene. What's going on? And there's a communication that happens. That's why I would say a fireman just won't walk into a burning building and say, hey, y'all, come this way. A little bit of fire, a little smoke, but just come this way. They're always going to be there to assess the scene. They're going to get in and try to get you out the safest way possible. Is that true? And if there was a perfect fireman, guess what he would do or she would do? Get you out the perfect way, right? There's not, never a perfect way. You can get, still get singed on the way out of a fire. But let me tell you, there is a Savior who is perfect. And he will get you out the perfect way because the perfect way is his way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said in John 14, 6. Look at Paul. Paul is preaching this message. And sometimes when y'all hear this message, I've talked to almost every one of you in the room today. Not all of you, but I've, just about everybody. I've talked to you at least once. Some of you have accepted Christ, you're growing, you're loving the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you accepted Christ and you're so stuck in the world, you can't get your head out of the world, you're not growing at all. You're just an immature baby complaining about everything. And some of you are lost as a, as a ball in the woods. And you know you're lost and you know you're going to hell, but you, for some reason, don't care. Should this frighten you? How does God want us to live? Live like there's no tomorrow. 
Live like you're coming to live for Jesus Christ, yet you're coming to die for him. Just like Paul, when we know Paul walks into town, Paul's going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's going to walk right into the synagogue. He knows they're going to invite him to speak. He knows he's going to open to Isaiah 53, Psalm 22. He knows which scroll he's going to go ahead and pre-pick, right? They're sitting there waiting on him. He's going to open up because he knows every good Jew would have these scrolls. Every good synagogue would have these scrolls. He's picking through. I'll take that one. And he reads them about the Messiah coming. And then he tells them his personal story. He said, listen, I want to tell you something. I was on my high horse on the way to Damascus to persecute the church. And this Jesus I'm preaching to you knocked me off my horse, made me blind, and now I see. And I'm trying to tell you I once was lost, but now I'm found, and there's a way that is right, right? There's a way that seems right unto a man, but I want to tell you there is a way that is right before a holy God. Look what he does. We know what he's going to do. I don't, like, we, we read some of the scripture. We know what he did. I told you before I started. We knew he was going to go into town. We knew on Saturday he's going to go to the synagogue. If there was no synagogue, what would he do when he met Lydia? Where's he going to go? Down to the river. He's going to go to a water source. He's going to go back and meet with the Jews. He knows his people do this thing. He knows his people well. He knows where they're going to be. So he's going to go to the synagogue. He's going to go on Saturday. He knows they're going to invite him to speak. He knows he's going to expound from Isaiah 53 or Psalm 22 or Micah. He's going to go and say, listen, Jesus is the one that was promised. All the prophets said so. As a matter of fact, we talked about this this morning. Do you remember the title that Silas had? Paul and Silas? Paul was called what? What was his title? Starts with A. Rhymes with apostle. Apostle, right? All right. He was an apostle. And Silas was what? We, we learned quickly, briefly, from the church of Jerusalem. He was, that's where he was stationed. We went, not digging. He was, what, close title. Starts with a P, rhymes with Ruffet. Thank you. Ruffet's not a word. He was a prophet. Timothy was what? A young, starts with a P, rhymes with Reacher. Preacher. All right, we had an apostle, we have a prophet, and we have a preacher. Luke was what? He wrote the book. He was a doctor. So we got these men here who are here. They've come to the table, and you got, listen, every position in the Scripture, you've got it where we can actually see God's got his most. The apostles are where? In the chain of command. If you had to draw a pyramid, where would you put the apostles? Or, or diamond, let's draw a diamond. Where would you put the apostles? Where would we put them? We would put them at the very top. But guess where Paul says the apostles belong? We are the very bottom. We are the scum or the trash of the kingdom. We're treated like trash for the sake of Christ. We're the servants of the Most High God. We're at the very bottom of the bottom of the point. Well, then the question comes in, where do prophets fit? Same spot. Then where do preachers fit? Same spot. Where do the deacons fit? Just above the pastors. Where does the church sit? As the authority under the head of Jesus Christ. The church is the authority by which Christ left here on earth. The pastor is not your boss. I'm not your boss. I'm not your spiritual boss. I'm the leader of the church. I want to be a spiritual leader for you. But your boss is Jesus Christ. He's your head. Amen? And then we make a decision. It's the church, the congregation. He left the church here to make decisions for the kingdom. 
I want you to come and look and see what he says right here. What Paul, Paul, we knew what Paul was going to say. Look at the notes. After his short stint in prison, Paul traveled to the city of Thessalonica. He found the synagogue in the city, and he did what? What do you think the fill in the blank is? Look up there. He preached. He preached the gospel to the Jews and the Greeks. This was his practice. Had he suffered severe persecution for doing this? Did he know he was going to suffer persecution every time he went in to a synagogue? Because he was what? Before, what was his birth? By birth, he was what? A Jew. Also a Roman. But did he ever come up and say, listen, don't you touch me. I'm a Jew. Just like you. Who do you think you are? I was a Pharisee, man. Don't touch me. I got credentials. I'm a Roman. You ever hear people do it today as an American? I'm an American. I got my rights. You can't tell me, right? Listen, we've done it today. We pulled so much socialism and communism in, and we try, we try to speak. I try to say, listen, Jesus Christ, the only one. you can't speak to me. You got white privilege. You're a white male. You know, okay, so I still love Jesus, right? You can't speak to me. You're from this tribe, or you're from, go around the world. There's always people. Listen, you talk to Chong in Korea. We talked about, are people different in South and North Korea? The answer is, are people different in North America, Canada and America? Are people different from your address to the house beside you on the other side? We're all different. And, and so our, our cancel society would come into, our woke societies come in and say, you can't speak to me because you haven't arrived or you don't belong to what my professor told me who we are. How stupid can you possibly be? Get your life right and line up with Jesus Christ. You're white, black, yellow, whatever color God makes you. When you come out of the womb, listen, you have a right to speak for Jesus Christ and tell people there is but one way, and his name is Jesus Christ. There is but one way to heaven. You have the right to speak. Don't listen to what other people tell you because of society. Don't worry about culture. Don't worry about anybody else that comes in and says, this is the way we do it here. You've got to come to the place and say, is that God's way? If that's God's way, I'm all in. But if that's not God's way, I don't want a part of it. Y'all, we're going to be voting here soon. A lot of people have been voting. I'm voting my party. I hear people say, I vote in my party. And I got kids at school who say, Pastor, what, what party do you belong to? Miss Smith messed them up. And they come and ask me, who are you voting for? And what do we always, we told you with the old folks when I was a kid, what do we never talk, two things we never talk about is what? Politics and religion. But I got news for you. I'm not the average pastor. Guess what I talk about? God ordained, if you will, religion, a relationship with Jesus Christ. God ordained the government, right? And y'all, y'all, police are not here to be your friend, for the record. Everybody talking about the police and this, police that. I want to do community police. I want to come in and serve some hot dogs to the community so the community feels safe. There's some bad police officers, amen? Amen. But I don't want a police officer to cook a hot dog for the south side, north side, east side, west side when there's an emergency. Do you? I wanted to bring his weapon and his authority to the scene and take care of the scene. Adrian mentioned our sign was vandalized out front. All kind of stupid stuff written on it. We said we forgive. We do. That's turned out for our good. I was emailing last night the, uh, the NAACP chapter president last night who said, listen, we're sorry we didn't endorse any of that. Not that I believe they did. Because we offered forgiveness before it even the newspaper got involved with it. We said, and they said, we appreciate you offering forgiveness. And we said we do. We want, to, want the community, we love the community, but more than that, we want the community to know that Christ loves the community. But I'm saying there's been different people from the community saying, hey, can we come and pressure wash your sign? Can we come and clean that up for you? 
We never meant for that to happen. Our, I mean, I know our sign's dirty and it's time, right? But a vandal came and did some crazy things. We got it cleaned out. We got it cleaned up. There's more to do. But y'all, listen, it's turned out for our good. Isn't that how the Lord worked it out? For our good, for those who are called according to His purposes, those who love God. Y'all, quit playing these Mickey Mouse games in our society. Don't pick one way or the other. Come to the place and say, listen, when you vote in the ballot box, you go and say, listen, who is the one who's actually closest to biblical values? And you would say, well, there's, you can't check the box for either president or candidate. Is that true? Yeah. Woo! I mean, we, we struggling when you had to put that check mark in there. But we have to make a choice. God's put us in a position. Is that true? To make a choice. If a, if a man, and we have two men who are running for office, right? If a man chooses, says, listen, I believe a woman has a right to choose. Can y'all finish that sentence for me? What does that even mean? If a woman has a right, come on, feel the, you know, it's always, it's a partial sentence. Do you know that? I vote for women's choice to do what? To murder her own unborn child. Abortion does not make you unpregnant. Abortion makes you the mother of a dead baby. Did y'all know that? Same, we miscarried. Wendy miscarried our first baby. I, I know it's hurt, hurtful and harmful to say those words, but we always say it's a woman's right to choose. Dot, dot, dot. To murder her baby. Finish the sentence sometimes. That's what we don't do in society. It looks like a good package that the woman has her reproductive rights. Well, how about a man? Can he actually go in and just shoot a woman in the stomach because he, he chose, that's my son or that's my daughter and I don't want him to be born? If he sh- just shoots the woman in the stomach, what's he going to get charged with if she dies? No, 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 wrong. Double homicide. He gets charged with killing the mother and the baby. You know why? Because law says that's a baby inside the mother. A fool knows that's a baby inside the mother. Is that true? It's not a blob of tissue. You have to be a complete, sorry kids, this word's in the Bible, sort of idiot to think that a woman just has a blob of tissue that's going to develop somehow and grow into arms and legs and a heart. You have to be a fool to think that that's not a baby inside of a mother. Or you don't understand science or reproductive health. But don't let somebody, your friends and neighbors, come out and say, listen, it's a woman's right to choose, dot, dot, dot. That's not a complete sentence. Because the idea is it's a woman's right to choose to kill her own baby. Again, she's not unpregnant. That's not what it makes her. It makes her the mother of a dead child. Is that true? Is that hard and heavy lift today? Our society said, who do you think you are? You white chauvinist going down the whole list. I've had all the lists called out. What does God say? Listen, I don't, okay, tell me I'll shut up and I'll tell you what the word of God says. Go to Psalm 139 and tell me what he says about the baby who was knit together in his mother's womb. What does God say about the situation? God says, God says that he put that child together in the mother's womb. You say, what about, everybody wants to bring out all the worst case scenarios and I won't bring them out because kids are in the room. This is how Paul offended people when he came and preached. There is but one way and your way is the wrong way if it's not God's way. Amen? So when you vote today, if there's somebody who says, listen, I believe there's a woman's right to choose, you believe in murdering babies. I, I believe that actually anybody can have an alternative lifestyle, an alternative marriage. Then you don't believe what God believes. So what is your high priority for choosing today? Because mama was a Democrat, daddy was a Republican, or whatever it might be. God forbid that we would vote party and not vote biblical. Again, you have to choose. You've got to rock, paper, scissors. 
Who are you going to vote for? Well, he looks like me. She looks like me. I like the way they look. They always smile nice on the camera. Most people only know who's running for office. What should I say? Most Christians don't vote. Well, I ain't voting for nobody. I'm just going to stay home and vote for nobody. Then go to another country where you can't vote. Amen? Because you'll start complaining about the very first person that gets voted in, and if you don't vote, you vote for the person who wins. Let me say it again. If you don't vote, you vote for the person who wins. Amen? If you don't vote, please don't ever speak to me about what's going on in our society. You have nothing to say to me. Shut your face in Jesus' name. Amen? Don't talk to me about society and the woes of society. And if you're a Christian and God's calling you into political science major and you're going to run for office, listen, be a Christian who will run for office. That's what problem our government is. We told our kids stay away from politics and religion. We got less and less preachers going into the ministry today. Young people going in cold into the ministry. Why? Because we kind of minimize the ministry. Oh, I know this preacher. He stole money. I know this preacher. We fill in the blank. There's bad people in every stripe. Amen? But if God has called you, you must do it. And I believe God's calling some of our young people to be governor and to be senator and to be representative. God's calling our people and our families are saying, oh, honey, don't get in that mess. That mess, be a politician. You're a liar. You're a thief. All fill in the blank what you are. But God ordained government. Paul, when he would preach this, he would come to this place, he would preach these things. He over and over, he preached the same thing. The Bible says, look at it, Paul reasoned with the Jews, fill in the blank. Paul reasoned with the Jews in the synagogue from the Holy Scriptures. Paul knew what he believed, and he preached what he believed. He preached truth to the hearers from the Old Testament. I gave you the references there. Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, Psalm 16, Romans 1.16. I gave you those references. Read those references on your own. Paul preached Jesus from the Old Testament Scriptures. He believed it. Paul put his trust in God. He had nothing to fear. Because if we believe what the scholars tell us, Paul's already died one time, been to the third heaven, right? For me to live is Christ, but to die is what did he say? Ding, 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 ding. I win, I win, I win. I can't win. Right? Chicken dinner. He's the winner, right? Here we go. Paul put his trust in God. He had nothing to fear. But God, I put it in my notes. He preached Jesus the Messiah. Here's the note. Real evangelism is defensible. Did you know that? When you speak from the truth, who's got your back every single time? The Holy Spirit's right there with you. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Where does the Bible say the Bible is the word of God? God will bring to your mind. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. Hebrews 4, 12. He'll bring back when Peter talks about, listen, men of old wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit of God. If you put it in, guess what God will do? At the appropriate time, he'll bring it out. He'll, he'll, he'll never let his word return void. In Thessalonica, there was a great awakening. Look at your notes. It happened, and many were pers persuaded to follow Christ. Why do you have to persuade somebody? You had to persuade an animal before? Wendy's dog is the worst dog on the planet. Outside, he'll like, hmm. If you don't want to go, he'll go run and try to get under bed. Then it's on like Donkey Kong, right? Because I said what? Go outside. He went running hide trying to get Wendy to protect him. And if she's not home, then that's when all my shoes come off. Ain't that prod under the bed, anything. You better get out. I've even picked the bed up and thrown the bed sideways. I said get outside, right? Because I'm going to work and I don't want you in the house. He had to be persuaded sometimes to go outside. You understand? And I'll, I'll try to swing, but I, I don't hit him anymore. I, I'm too slow. Paul had to persuade these people that Jesus Christ was the way. He was the Messiah. How about you? Do you have to be persuaded? 
Were you a hard-headed sinner? No matter who told you, no matter if you heard from Billy Graham, Charles Stanley, no matter what you heard on the radio, no matter what you heard from a preacher from revival, you were hard-hearted and you would not change your ways because who says they're right? You know those people? Listen, so does God. Can we pray for those people? Yeah, if God can change me, y'all, look at me. If he can change me, he can change anybody. He's still changing me, by the way. I've still got a long, long way to go, and you don't need to amen that, but that's true. It, but God, listen, he'll work those things out. Paul said, hey, let me ask you a question. Did Paul have to be persuaded himself? Yeah, on the road to Damascus, God had to whip his behind, knock him off a horse, make him go blind, and then let him be baptized in the city. Did God have to persuade Paul? Yeah, because Paul was persuaded he was right. He was zealous in a religion, but he was wrong. He was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. You know people like that today? Well, they, they, they love their faith. They, they, they love their religion. They're sincere about it. And they'll just preach a message they heard somebody else preach. But they're sincerely wrong because they believe that Jesus was, small letter, a God. That's our Jehovah Witness friends. They believe that God the Father has a body. God the Son has a body. That's our Mormon friends. Are our friends sincere? Are our friends sincere when they tell you when they ride their bicycle to your house? Or drive the Chevrolet up to your house, right, roll up? Are they sincere? Well, let me ask you a question. Are they sincerely wrong? Based on what the Word of God says, not how you feel or how you think or how you were raised or what your culture says or what your background is. Based on the Word of God, are they sincerely wrong? The answer is, yes, they are. Go to Romans real quick. I'm going to read this before I give you the rest of the notes to finish out. Romans. Paul had to be persuaded. Yo, God had to knock him down. But watch what he writes in Romans to the church at Rome. Romans chapter 8, verse 38, 39. It should be, I don't know if it's on the screen or not, but look in your Bible. Let me read 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Who's him? Christ Jesus. For I am, here's the word he uses about himself. I am What's your translation say? I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen, 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 amen. He was excited. Listen, Paul was persuaded. I am fully convinced this is the only way. Nothing can take me from the hand of God. Can you lose your salvation? The answer is... Not based on what the Word of God says, nothing can take me from the hand of God. Don't you feel great this morning? That should be, listen. Wow, that was patty cake, patty cake. Listen, I said nothing can take you from the hand of God once you're saved. Amen? Listen, that should be a rally cry. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven when I die. Listen, I know this thing's for real. I am fully persuaded. Are you? If you're persuaded, you got somewhere to go. you got a ticket punch going to heaven. On the way, we share Jesus. Are we going to make people mad? Yes, we will. When we do it God's way, are we going to make people mad? Because the world wants nothing to do with God's way. They want to create a God and then say, my God, his way is, or her way is, or its way is, and they want to create it themselves. They've created, some of y'all have created your own God. You say, well, I've been in church my whole life. I ain't done that. Oh, yes, you have. If your God has any limitations... It's a God of your own creation. That is not the God of the Bible. If your God can't protect you, that's not the God of the Bible. 
If your God is limited, that is not the God of the Bible. Amen? The God of the Bible says, Jesus said, I have all authority in heaven and in earth. Church, how much authority does Jesus have? All authority. Do you believe it? Are you living like you believe it? Are you sharing like you believe it? Are you giving like you believe it? He has all authority. And when you go, guess whose name you go in? Look around the banners. We had prayer stations this week. Look. Is he the king of glory? Is he the prince of peace? Is he the lion of Judah? Is he the king of kings? Is he the lamb of God? Listen, when we come to the place, if he's those things, who are we? I am the son of the king, and his name is Jesus. Just as Paul persuaded his audience, listen, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the king. I do my dead level best each week to preach and to teach and to pray. Listen, Jesus is king. He's Lord of lords. He's the Lord of my life. Unbelieving Jews recruited evil men from the marketplace, gathered a mob, and set the city in an uproar. Does that sound like it? Does that sound like today? And they broke in windows, and they stole colored TVs, right? It doesn't stop, does it? In America, go to Russia, they're marching in the streets. I've talked about this. How many weeks have I been talking about this? Is it not amazing to you that God would have us in this book of Acts at this time with our society going crazy? All in the name of my rights. Russians are saying our rights. Americans are saying our rights. I don't care. Well, listen, what arguments did you listen to? Our rights come from God. And sometimes as Christians, it's okay to be wronged. I told my kids, when you come up to a traffic light, when you drive and you have the green light, green light means what? Church? Go. But if some crazy driver comes through looking on their phone and they come through their red light, red light means what? Stop. And they go through their red light when it's your green light and you have full right by the authority of the law to go on green, but you see this crazy fool texting and driving and not paying attention and making their way at full speed through the red light. What should you do? A, don't jump ahead. A, stop, slam on brakes and say all kind of crazy things about the person, let them go. B, because you have your rights, Pull on through the intersection, let them hit you in the side, potentially kill you. Or C, put on brakes, let them go by, and say, that's just how people are. You know how it is. Maybe say a prayer for them. It's C, right? So I taught my children, it's better to be wronged, even though it's your right, than to be right and wronged and killed. You understand? If somebody wrongs me and I die... Guess what? If I was right, all that means is dad's going to get a new car. Isn't that right? I'll say some nice things about you at your funeral, but your life insurance is going to pay off, and I'm going to end up having, having nice things, but not you. Do I want nice things like that? The answer is, what are the things? They rust. They rot. Thieves try to steal them or vandalize them. I want my kids there. Listen, so can you be right and be wronged at the same time? Yes. But for the sake of the kingdom of God, listen, was Paul wronged? Did they do him wrong when they stoned him to death? He had his rights as a citizen, as a Roman. You can't touch me like that. I got my rights. I was wrongfully arrested. You guys stoned me and publicly humiliated me. I'm a Roman citizen. Every one of y'all are going to jail because y'all did me wrong. The authorities did Paul wrong. The jailer did Paul wrong. But what does God do? He brings him out of prison Puts him in Lydia's house, and did Lydia do him right? Yes, she did. If you found me faithful, stay at my house. 
and then we can't help but think that she sent him on his way. Now, Paul can't get his clothes tore up yet. Y'all know that, right? We believe he's got that new purple robe on, and they can't tear this one up yet because he's got to go to Athens. He's got to go where all the philosophers are. He's got to be sharp-dressed. He has to have his three-piece suit on and his nice shoes to get to Athens because they won't accept him if he looks like a raggedy old bum, right? So he's he still got his nice suit on, so God can't let Paul get his clothes tore up until it's time to get past Athens. Y'all understand? He's got to meet with the executives, so he needs his executive suit on. So what happens to Paul? Let's go back and look and see what he does. I gave it to your notes, but I'm going to do that last verse because I skipped that verse. Look at verse 10. What happens? This is why, and let me go, and re- go back to your notes, and we'll read it from the Word. Unbelieving Jews recruited evil men from the marketplace, gathered a mob, set the city in an uproar. Paul offended the sinners. Is that true? He offended the sinners. And you must understand today, the gospel draws some people, and it offends many people. The unbelievers shouted, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Meaning we've heard news that they flipped Lystra and they flipped Derby. And they, everywhere they've been, these people mess up everything because we love our culture. We love our sin. And they're preaching Jesus. And these people are becoming Christians. They won't go party with us no more. They won't go robbing with us no more. They won't do any of the things we used to do back in the day around the way because they preach this Jesus and he's changed these people's lives. This is an exciting. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here too. And who do they pick on? They can't get Paul and Silas because remember, Paul can't mess up his three-piece suit yet. Not his purple suit. Not yet. They arrested Jason and others for hosting these men of God. And while Jason and others were posting bail, they're down at Aiken County Detention Center making bail, right? The Christians immediately sent Paul and Silas to where? A small town called Berea. They're going to head south because they've got to go to Athens, right? God has a plan for Paul to be over here in Athens. He's got an appointment for Paul. Paul's got to keep his appointment. And y'all keep a calendar of appointment? This is just the same way. God had an appointment on his calendar. Paul had to be in Athens at a certain day. Well, you can't get him to go unless he brings about persecution. And the brother said, Paul, you've got to go, brother. Go to Berea. Berea? We're going to see about Berea. Look at verse 10 right here. Read verse 10 back in your Bible, Acts 17.10. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. I'm going to read just the first part because y'all know the second part. What does he do when he gets to Berea? He can't stand himself, right? He's been called by God. He's got a, he's got a mission on his life. Let's go ahead and read it. Let's go ahead and next week we know where we're going. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Man, if Paul was your friend, he's like, man, all you do is get me in trouble. My mama told me I can't hang out with you because you're always causing trouble. Everywhere we go, you're causing trouble. Was anybody like that growing up? I was. All right, so... Look at the questions. Let me ask these questions we finish with this. Are you making a difference in your sphere of influence? Yes or no? You know your people. You know your friends. Are you making a difference for the kingdom? You will not make a difference. Always note this. that I gave you 1 Peter 2.1. You will not make a difference until you confess your sins before a holy God. He will not use a filthy vessel. Y'all, think about eating spaghetti, leaving it sitting on the counter for about four days, and then go and eat your breakfast out of the next morning, an egg over easy. Anybody want to? And it's unappetizing? But think about the Lord with your sin. If you're a Christian living in sin, he wants you to confess that sin and get right and then go and change your world for Jesus Christ. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and bring glory to your Father which is in heaven. You confess your sins to God. He uses those pure vessels. He does use a pure vessel. Are you studying the Holy Scriptures? Do you understand the Scriptures can defend themselves? Somebody says, well, I don't believe what you believe. Who do you, who do you think you are believing that? Well, God said so. It's enough for me. <laughs> I don't have to explain it. 
I go to the expert, right? You swear it makes me angry. Not my problem. Didn't make you or the word. I'm just the messenger, right? That's what I do. And this week I've asked you to do this. Do this for me, if you would. There's, this is a challenge for you. Memorize Hebrews 4.12 this week. I gave it to you at the beginning. You can use my translation, HCS, uh, CSB, your translation. And I want somebody to be bold next week and stand right here from this platform into this microphone. And I want you to quote the scripture without looking into the word of God. I want you to quote it from memory next week. Three people. Let's do three people next week. If there's ten, we'll do ten people. All right? You accept my challenge, yes or no? Come on. You accept my challenge, yes or no? Okay. Here we go. We're going to find out. I bet you it's all children that have it memorized. And those be like, Pastor, you don't know my memory. My memory is bad. Listen, this is the word of God. Hide it in your heart and practice, practice, practice. Put it when you brush your teeth. Put it when you shave your fa- face. Put it when you shave your legs. Whatever you do, put the word of God in front of you and then have it memorized in one week. Can we memorize one verse of the Holy Scriptures in one week? That's asking too much. Let's see next week what you got, all right? Let's see who brings it next week. I hope the whole sermon is about uh, Hebrews 4.12. Make his word your God. People who seek, serve, and share Jesus, that's who we are. We turn the world, what? Upside down. Y'all, listen, it's time to flip this world. Amen? Aren't y'all ready to go to battle? I'm tired of sitting in the barracks. I'm tired of hearing about on the radio the threats of war. It's time to engage. It's time to get up. <clears throat> seek, service, share Jesus. Put him first. Seek him first. Share him with the watch world. Listen, and we serve him. Listen, how may I serve you? When we share Jesus, listen, that is the will of God. When we seek Jesus, that is the will of God. When we serve others or serve Jesus, that is the will of God. Don't you want to do the will of God, yes or no? We all should, and we can, right where we are, right where God's put us. We can serve him. We can share him. We can seek him. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for today that we have the ability not only to just read this word or look at pictures or, or see it signed. Father, you can actually get your word into people's hearts. And Lord, your word changes us. It cuts to our core. And Father, we know what's at our core, sin. Lord, whatever our sin is, we have all different stripes of sin because we are people. We're prideful, we're sinful, we're lustful. We desire things that aren't ours. We're covetous people. Lord, we steal. We're thieves. We're liars. (laughs) Lord, we have a list of who we are in our flesh. But Father, when we give our life to Jesus Christ, you tell us we're more than overcomers through him who saved us. And that's you, Jesus. Help us to live like the message is that important. Help us to live as overcomers. Help us to carry the banner of Jesus, wherever you send us, today, this week, and forevermore. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.